Well, good evening, everyone, to OBW Talks, the podcast of something we like to call affectionately Old Baptist Weekly. And as we have in the past, so we have tonight. A wonderful peanut gallery before us. Elder Joe Holder, can you say hello to the folks for us, please? There he is. In all his glory. Elder Jerry Anstey, what do you say there, bud? Good evening. I said you say brother. And my longtime and wonderful close friend who we've been through so many things together. I've helped him so much. I can't believe he, he would think that I hadn't. You have. Elder Mark Rowe, how you doing, I, my friend? I, I salute you all. Good to see you. <laughs> Except for one. Okay, now, tonight, we are going to embark on what I think is a rather ambitious project. It's still hard-shelling. We're just hard-shelling. But for several sessions, we're going to hard-shell about the, the epistle to the Galatians by our beloved Apostle Paul. And uh, I think we have come to this because we feel like Galatians is now more relevant than it ever has been. I mean, it's always been relevant from the get-go, but considering the things that we see in, happening in the world today and even more importantly in the churches, Galatians is a message for our time if ever there was a message. But to get to that message, we have to look at it from the standpoint of the problem that it was addressing. You know, no surprise, Galatians was written to address a problem. So our beloved Uncle Joe is going to give us one of his famous level sets, but it's going to be a little different. He's going, we're going to talk about the introductory verses, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And then over the period of weeks, we're going to talk about chunks or sections of Galatians. It may take 12 sessions. It may take 100 sessions. I don't know. No, surely it won't take a hundred. But our beloved brother Joe is also going to level set us not just on the letter itself, but on the problem that is at the very root of the cause for Paul writing the letter. So we're going to uh, have Brother Mark lead us in a word of prayer, and then Brother Joe, take it away, my friend. Brother Mark. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful again to have the opportunity together with our beloved brethren and trust that uh, we look to you for our only guidance in what we do tonight as we do each time we go into thy word and we seek uh, thy counsel and seek thy presence and certainly seek thy leadership and understanding and rightly dividing the word of truth. Heavenly Father, we pray your grace be upon us and thy spirit guide us and all the things that we undertake um, tonight. Uh, continue to walk with each of us and, and each of thy children. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Joe. Thank you. At the very heart of the Christian faith is an all-encompassing worldview that rests exclusively on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus Christ and. It's not Jesus Christ and some historical figure of, of a man since Jesus came and, and did his work. It's not Jesus Christ and an ancient historical figure before he came. It's 
to get close to the problem at Galatia in the churches and in the problem Paul addressed, it's not Jesus and even Moses. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, just him. Just that's, that's a tall tale in itself. Mm-hmm. Let me read the first five verses. And as, as Mike mentions, we're going to expand beyond those, but we want to use those as a, as a launching point for our thoughts this evening. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It would appear that and, and you find this in more than just the Galatian epistle. But it would appear here, and perhaps the same people shadowed Paul and raised the same issues in different places, that there were those within the church, not outside, who questioned Paul's apostleship. He came along later. He didn't really witness the resurrection of Jesus. He, he's, he's, he's focusing all of his ministry on these questionable outcast groups of people. We're not sure about him, so you shouldn't be sure about what he teaches. You see, if, if Paul had been hit personally with this, I don't think he would have been bothered by it right. that much. Yeah. But when hitting him personally questions what he's teaching about Jesus, he does take it personally and and deals with it in a very straightforward manner. So for good reason, he identifies in the very beginning. He is an apostle, and his apostleship didn't come from a man directly, indirectly, any way, whatever. It came from God. The question Paul, you didn't see the resurrected Jesus. Paul would say, I politely beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse yeah. 1, among other things, Paul writes, Have I not seen Jesus yeah. Christ our Lord? Right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, and mm-hmm. last of all, he was what? seen, seen of me. me. Right, I saw him. So the, the accusation that Paul couldn't be an apostle because he hadn't seen Jesus is a falsehood. He right. did see Jesus. And yes, indeed. Further, in the second chapter, verses 7 to 10 especially, Paul identifies not necessarily his first, but a significant visit to Jerusalem where he personally met with Peter and John and some of the other apostles. They heard his testimony. They got to know him. And at the end, not a tradition that we do without thinking sometimes, with meaning, they gave him and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. That's right. You're our equal we bless you, and we pray you bless us. 
we work together. Mm. So the apostles didn't feel that Paul was an outcast or an outsider or a second tier, less important apostle at all. He's making the point to the Galatians. Who raised him from the dead. I can't pass any biblical reference to the resurrection of Jesus. I stumbled across just a beautiful little quip today from the King James commentary of the New Testament. The resurrection of Jesus was God's amen to Jesus. It is finished. I love that. That is rich. That, that you can put, put in a notebook and keep it for all of the future. And then he includes all the brethren which are with me. Paul wasn't writing as a single person, but he was writing with the knowledge and endorsement and encouragement and approval of of an unnamed and significant number of people who were with him, not just geographically, but in spiritual content and faith. Grace, he's still thinking of them despite this incredible error they have embraced as churches. He hasn't ruled them away. You're not a church anymore. You've departed so far. There's a there, there's a fascinating parallel of sorts here, but it's, it's, it's more a contrast, I guess, than a parallel. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church when that church was in a shambles. I, I think I've counted about 13 or 14 different errors that Paul confronted mm-hmm. and, and corrected in 1 Corinthians. And yet, when he writes the introduction to 1 Corinthians, he finds a number of good things to come to commend the Corinthian church. He doesn't commend the Galatians for anything. Once he completes this introduction, his first salvo is, I marvel that ye are so soon from him that called you. Here's the difference, and here's why Paul is so intense in Galatians. The Galatian error was far more grave than the Corinthian problems. That's right. This error put a distance between these people and Jesus, and Paul could not accept anything that called itself a gospel that did that to a believer's heart. And so he, he is rightly intense. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil Mm -hmm. world, according to the will of God. Giving himself for our sins has both temporal and eternal consequences. Delivering us from this present evil world puts the focus on temporal issues. Eugene Nita, who is one of the authors of a New Testament Greek dictionary I often refer to for definitions, also was involved in a commentary on the New Testament. Included in this commentary is Nita's comment regarding the overall purpose of Galatians. It concentrated on the way of being accepted by God in this present life. The Galatians are facing a serious choice to depart from him that called you in this present life and lose that fellowship 
are to learn how to find acceptance and fellowship with him in this present life. Overall, Galatians is not as much a salvation epistle as it is a discipleship epistle for the here and now. Amen. Yep. This we could we could go on and on, but I want one more point here and then a couple of additional thoughts. To whom be glory now, forever and ever. Be glory is now. But this glory that he he deserves now should be endless. We should believe and live now so we give him glory. Not give glory to Moses or anyone Mm -hmm. else. Give him the exclusive glory he deserves. Amen. The big problem, we see it surface in the example Paul gives of Peter at Antioch in chapter 2, was the church begins as a Jewish institution. The church at Jerusalem is a Jewish church. But then what about those Gentiles? Do Do we accept them into the church? If so, how do we accept them? Mm -hmm. Acts gives us rich commentary on the history of that problem. Acts chapter 10, Peter, an apostle whose primary focus in ministry is to the Jews, is minding his own business as it were, and he has a vision from the Lord. The Lord was not teaching Peter about kosher diet in this vision. He was teaching him about people. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, Lord, nothing common or unclean has entered my mouth. What God has cleansed, call not thou common nor unclean. Peter would soon learn that God wasn't talking about unclean animals, but what he had formerly viewed as unclean human beings, Mm -hmm. Gentiles. He goes to the house of Cornelius. He's feeling a little Jewish when he walks in, but very quickly, the Lord shows him something he cannot deny. The same supernatural, powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Peter experienced and witnessed on the day of Pentecost, he witnessed at the house of Cornelius of a truth I perceive, he says, that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Right. Peter has his epiphany moment. I believe this may be the moment that Jesus referred to when he said, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, converted from thinking the Jewish, that the Christian faith in the church is to be as Jewish as the Old Testament worship was in the temple. Not so, Peter. It's going to be something far different. Amen. That's in Acts 10. In Acts 11, Peter returns to Jerusalem and is greeted with, <laughs> with some stern looks, shall we say. I love reading Acts 11 every bit as much as I love reading Acts 10. As Peter faces the resistance of those people who have heard that he dared to preach and even to baptize Gentiles, 
Mm-hmm. He said they believed. But after Peter's defense and explanation of his experience, at least some in Jerusalem church said, then hath God also granted to the Gentiles right. repentance unto life. That's right. I think subsequent events would suggest that everyone in the Jerusalem church was not equally convinced of that truth. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, naturally doesn't find a place to launch his Gentile apostleship in Jerusalem. So he ends up in the church at Antioch in Syria. Someone comes from Jerusalem church to Antioch. They observe Paul. They observe Gentile Christians living according to their traditions, their culture, their diet, their, their, their habits of those kinds, like Gentiles, but they're living the faith of Jesus. And they try to teach these Gentile believers, if you aren't circumcised according to the law of Moses, you can't be saved. I suggest that we at least consider the potential that being saved in Acts 15 did not refer to going to heaven when you die, but being saved to the blessings of the gospel in the here and now. The same point Nita makes about the the Galatians. Mm -hmm. Paul and Barnabas are there. They have no small disputation with these people. Wow, Mm -hmm. that must have been some debate. It's decided they will go to Jerusalem. These people came from Jerusalem church. Let's go right back to Jerusalem church and have Jerusalem church speak to the matter. After some discussion with the apostles and the church, it was decided that Paul and Barnabas and Antioch church were correct. These people tried to impose something that Jerusalem church didn't send them or authorize them to do and didn't agree with. And so they sent a letter to Antioch Church correcting the situation. Here's history. History of contention within the church, disagreement within the church about how to accept and regard Gentile believers. Mm -hmm. It's natural that this same problem overflow into the Galatian churches. I believe That's exactly what happened. Peter and Barnabas got caught up in it. They had the experience that we've seen in Acts 10 and Acts 15. And yet, when they saw those judgmental, hard-nosed believers from Jerusalem Church at Antioch Church, they reacted as you and I will on many occasions, as you and I have to the fear of man. And Paul needed to bring them back, and he did. He did. Now, brethren, I've set the stage. Let's go from there. You know, Again. Brother Joe, you really need to work a little bit harder at this whole level set thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, maybe we'll get a good one from him. What do you think? Wow, that was, wow. That was wonderful. That absolutely uh, was wonderful. Uh, could I make one quick comment? Um, and then, uh, and Brother Mike, I see Brother Mike is in the, he's in the blocks. He's ready. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and he, nothing you said, Brother 
Brother Holder needs repeating, uh, and I'm not intending to do that. But there is a point that that really grabbed my attention um, in in the beginning verses here. You know, Paul makes parenthetical statements a lot, um, and I've grown to love them more and more and more. Um, it, it's interesting. You're just weird. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because if you if you read it without the parent, the parenthetical statement, it it mm-hmm. says it says what you what you expect it to say. Yeah. But then when that? you but then when you go back and you read with what the intent that Paul had in in saying what he did right here, you want another good example? Go to Romans five, and and you'll I think you'll you'll get the point right. But not of men, neither by man i mean it's it'd be fine for him to say one of those and make his point but he, he emphasized it all the more because his focus was look away look away look away from man and look to christ and don't take your eye off of christ yes. and that that principle follows through the entirety of the letter as, as I've been able to, to see it. And I will say in reading it, holding to that, um, it, it has had, it is a greater, greater meaning, um, uh, to me, no, no question. Um, you know, interestingly, a little bit later, and we're not going to cover the verses tonight, but probably will in the next session, um, you know, Paul speaks of the person of Christ, but then he speaks of the gospel of Christ. And I love what you said, about uh, the delivery, the saving of from this present evil world, that that's it, it's imperative. We hold to to that purpose that Paul makes yes. that statement of, because that's really the thrust behind. I, I think um, what what he's tugging at through this letter, um, the gospel of Christ didn't come by man. Paul didn't learn it by man. He wasn't taught it by man. Um, and, and I think it's important that as, as we consider the, the initial statements that he is making and we, we try to uncover and to deal with the, the error that's going on, um, that we all recognize. And I kind of sh- hid my face when you accused us a- accurately of falling prey to the same things that, that Peter and, and Barnabas said. Thanks a lot. Need that reminder. Um, but how true is that? How true is that? That we our tendency is to be a man pleaser. Our, our tendency is to do that. We fall prey to it and we will fall prey to it if we don't guard against it. And I think Paul really provides us some, some excellent tools to use here. Um, so with that brothers, take off. With Mark? Go Mike. Go Mark. Go Mike. I, I want to hear what Mike's got to say about Didn't the council insist? of Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, Again, I'm going to say like Jerry, Joe's level set needs no help or or additions or emendations. Amen and amen and amen. I hope everyone will take the time to review that level set because, you know, Galatians, the letter is about addressing a problem, which we all think, the four of us think, is a problem that ha- it's internal to the church. It didn't come from outside pressure maybe like Gnosticism did it was it came up within the church but uh, I want to just say at the outset of our studies on this this is not a Jewish problem right, right. I mean it, it just so happens that it was Jews that mm-hmm. was involved here 
It is a human problem. Mm, good. Amen. Uh, Galatians has been used by bad people to to uh, cause harm to Jewish people. And the Apostle Paul, if, if there was such truth to rolling and spinning in your grave, that's what Paul would be doing because he loved his people. He prayed right. for his right. countrymen. That's right. He never stopped loving his people. Galatians is not against Judaism. It doesn't say anything about Judaism, really. It's about a corrupted form of Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's Amen. Amen. That's right. That's yes. what it's about. And the corrupted form of Judaism of, of Christianity happened to spring from very human causes. We should never underestimate the power that our culture and our society has over us. You think you can you can beat the American culture that you're not really a slave to it? Uh, you're better than me. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, we we all. All are indebted, and then sometimes worse than indebted, to our society and to our culture. It's hard to pull away from that. It's hard not to give in to peer pressure. As a as a matter of fact, I think Hebrews deals the letter of Hebrews deals a lot with that. The problem. Let's keep it before eyes. It's a human problem. I stress that because the problem then it it resurfaces time and time mm-hmm. again. Right. Right, and I'll give you an example. Whenever we say things like "we don't do that here," <clears throat> that's a, that's getting close to the problem that was back then. Because the church yeah. started with one hundred percent Jewish people. That's the way we were supposed to. It was to the Jew first, but also mm-hmm. to the Greek. Yep, and uh, it should have been a happy moment for them when God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Mm. Imagine a lot of these well-educated in the law Jewish people that were now on fire for Jesus Christ and how they could have helped idiots like me and others, <laughs> Gentiles that were privileged to be raised in that environment. But it goes to show you just how hard it is for us, even though we may be born again, to pull away mm. from our societal and cultural roots. Because I think the early believers saw the church as a sect within Judaism. Mm -hmm. They were Jews. They still went to the temple. They still went to the synagogue. They still lived as befit Jews. They still observed all the rites, the holy days. And you know what? Nothing wrong with that. Really not anything wrong with it. Where it is wrong is when you say you have to do certain things in order for God to love you. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that I don't mean moral things. We're, we're all to live godly lives. But I'm talking about you have to do these things that that are unique to a culture right? in order for God, because your culture is, is that important to God. That's, that's how crazy it gets. Mm. When, you, when you make your culture God's culture, Instead of God's culture, your culture, <laughs> it's a problem. Okay, let me it's move on. It's a problem. <laughs> it's, this is what we need to keep in mind as we go through with Galatians. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I'm so glad Joe and Jerry emphasized on that statement in the introduction about has delivered us from this present evil world. Christ died to accomplish what? 
Our eternal salvation? Yes, of course. Mm. Only our eternal salvation? Mm, no. <laughs> no, thank goodness. There's That should be enough. <laughs> eternal salvation should be more than enough. But he even did more than that. Yes. <clears throat> he rescued us. Uh, he's given us access to a world in the midst of another world. It's, it's, uh, we, we live with one foot in one world, almost in one foot in the other. But Jesus gave us the church. He gave us the gospel. Mm. And you read that second chapter of Ephesians, and you find very easily that Christ's death did more than just save us eternally. It saved us ecclesiastically. And I'm going right. to probably use that term a lot more. There's an ecclesiastical salvation, which mm. is dependent upon the death of Christ. <clears throat> Christ did not remove us from this world. He rescued us mm, from it. Mm. And where the problem is, is that when we turn our back on the gospel of grace, the very means by which we are rescued, then what happens? Mm. We become captives That's right. of this present evil world again. Right. We're right. self-imprisoned. Yep. The idea of imprisonment, bondage, yep. slavery <laughs> runs all throughout this letter. So uh, I want to just say how excited I am about this, but let us keep in mind, we're not, we're not here to disrespect Jewish people. No. We're not going to do that. This is not our intent. No. We think that's the wrong thing for anybody to do. Yeah. We're, not against, we're not saying Judaism is the devil's own religion. No. Judaism factors into nothing about what we're going to talk about. Right. But what we will be getting after are those men who believed in Christ, professed faith in Christ, and yet they they mutated the, the gospel to suit their own ends so that their way of life would that they felt threatened by would 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 stand the test of time that it would continue on and they would get to live the way they've always lived right that's human my friends yeah. you know we're not my, any more exempt from that than they were that's right so let me but, let me shut up for a little bit, but, no, brother Mike. Before brother Mark jumps in, you just made I think such a profoundly important point um, that as we consider this, uh, you know, sometimes our tendency is to identify the source of a problem. Um, you know, these these ones who were were looking to overthrow the the faith and and putting qualifications in front of others and what have you. Um, you know, really, if we study this correctly, it's really not even our intent to uh, uh, to throw them entirely under the bus. That's not what that's not what the point of the matter is. No. And a lot of times in our lives, we we observe something like that, and then we attack it bec in, in, in knowing that it's wrong, and then we become imprisoned in our own attack of great it. Point. It's a great point, right? Jerry. Amen. And and, Amen. and so. And there's no right in any of that. Correct. That's <laughs> it right. started. It started with wrong, and then we add wrong to it we when we respond we, in an ungodly way. To. I think that's have. something that that's the human problem in, in many instances. Sorry, Bill sure. Mark. I, I, I know I, I want you to, to but I, I would have forgot that if I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, I popped one point. I'm I would sorry, have too, Mark. Jerry. Just just a quick point, <laughs> Jerry. You read my mail. <laughs> Acts twenty one. Paul and Luke goes with him. He uses the we to Jerusalem. They go see James and the elders that are there. 
What do these brethren at Jerusalem, these are people, leaders in the church at Jerusalem, say to Paul? Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are uh, which uh, believe. Yeah. And they are all zealous of the law. Bingo. Mm -hmm. There is the mm -hmm. real problem. Mm -hmm. Now, when these people go to Antioch or into the Galatian churches and try to corrupt the gospel he's preached, he's going to come unglued to you in a, in a sanctified way. That's right. But in their homeland, the, the leaders at Jerusalem church say, you have a golden opportunity, Paul, to tell them what God has done through you to, in the Gentiles and you can, on their turf, show them that you have no disrespect for the law. Guess what Paul did? He did exactly what yeah, that's what he did. That's yes. what he did. That's He's so there important. to win people, not win an argument. Oh. Now, thank Man. you, Jerry. Brother Mark, I'm sorry. Mark, so, in, brother. So, so there's been no less than 40 fantastic points that have been made <laughs> to this time. I mean, yeah, for, for the short time we've, oh, we've actually man. been been uh been online i mean fantastic points uh i'm i won't i won't go back over each of them but that brother jerry what you brought up there um uh and then brother joe about you know battling evil with evil is not mm. what we're supposed to be doing and it's not what the apostle paul was doing nor was he encouraging that in any way shape or form the you know we talk about brother joe's level sets which are just fantastic um, I think that's a great level set by the apostle Paul in the first five verses. Wouldn't y'all agree is. with that? In <laughs> yeah. fact, in fact, and I know we're going to continue down this line and go further into the book of Galatians, but the apostle Paul himself gives a quick summary of the account of what happened in Jerusalem in the second chapter. So mm -hmm. he really lays down a great, a, a great foundation that he springs from then in the latter verses of the second chapter, brother Mike, I promise I won't go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <sighs> but he uses, he uses the foundation he builds in chapter one and the first half of, of chapter two to really explain to the churches of Galatia. That here is the problem. And it was well said by brother Joe, the problem is not one from without, but the problem is one from within. So when he starts this, he says, he's an apostle, not, he's not an apostle of men. And then he says, he's not an apostle by man. Mm -hmm. So not only is he, is he not an apostle of men, but he wasn't made an apostle by man, yeah. uh, but by Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, and, and God, the father who raised him from the dead. Then in verse two, he says, and he, Paul, an apostle and all the brethren, which are with me under the churches of Galatia. So he establishes a union, if you would, of brethren that stood with him in everything that he was about to say. Um, I'm still waiting on brother Mike to go to the 15th chapter of the book of acts, and I'm going to give way and hopefully he will, but <laughs> he establishes the realization with the, in the churches of Galatia through reading this letter that 
the, you know, this isn't your idea. This isn't my idea. This isn't something that was wrought by man's hands. This wasn't something wrought by my hands, but mm. there is an agreement. There is a union of men who understand the fundamental issue that's already been talked about the fundamental issue of what's happening the the problems in running back to Jerusalem and having to re-explain everything in Jerusalem that's already been talked about. This is so grave that in verse four, he in one sentence. No, actually, that's not true. That sentence is that verse four is a conclusion of the of the of the big sentence. But in right. that one verse, he says of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Yeah. that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Mm -hmm. I mean, he establishes the theme immediately of where he is going to go. And I, brother Mike, I appreciate that ecclesiastical salvation. I believe that's what mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. He, that is the theme of what he is going to discuss because the problem isn't he's he, he wasn't worried about the the members of the churches of Galatia falling from grace and falling from their eternal salvation. Absolutely not. The apostle Paul did not believe that. He believed the biblical precepts of the election of God and the predestination of God in, in Jesus Christ. But what he was concerned about is all the turmoil that was happening from within, and how if that turmoil didn't come to an end it would result in the end of the rescuing from this present evil world mm -hmm. of so many children mm -hmm. of God who believed yeah. and that had gone back on that. So, yeah, I think Paul had a right to be um, righteously angry mm -hmm. with the churches of Galatia, the members of the churches of Galatia, and those who would cause discord that was causing that deliverance of this from this present evil world to be brought in jeopardy, really. Yeah. Um, and that's why he, he, so I think it's, I think Paul does a fantastic level set here too, uh, brother Joe, right in yeah. line with what, what you had said in your level set. It just, he lays it out. He builds the foundation. And then, I mean, immediately in verse six, he says, all right, here's my, here is my foundation. Let's get to the point. How right. I marvel that you're so soon removed from removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And then yeah. off he goes, you know, brother Mark, as you read through that, I've, I can't tell you how many times I have read those five verses since we started talking about uh, going through the book of Galatians. But as you read them, something just really jumped out at me. Um, and, and maybe this will just speak to um, something wrong with me. But but look at what Paul does. He he drives home the relationship between Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and God the Father. Mm -hmm. Calls it out specifically, right? Um, I think some of these folks were having a, a little bit of an issue proper properly positioning Christ, maybe in contrast to Moses. Okay. Yeah. And Paul starts out with saying, "Listen." Y'all need to understand something here. This is a, this is talking about Jesus Christ and God the Father, that specific relationship, and and he never leaves that through through this letter. But then to the point that I think all of us have now made, in the fourth verse, he says, 
this present even world, evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Yeah. And our Father, the provision that we have. Right. Right. Um, I think, you know, you look at Judaism in and of itself, and certainly these ones that had um, a mixture of their faith, if you will, um, some Christ, some Moses, some this, some that. Um, they were divided, obviously, in their thinking. And they were confusing the matter with with others, potentially drawing them into a division. And Paul clearly lays out, there is no division here. There is no division. I think that's a profound point. Um, And and frankly, I hadn't seen it until you just started reading it slowly. And and it just kept jumping out at me. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) I do think that has that has merit. um, You know, the the issue of comparing you know, they were looking at Moses instead of Jesus Christ. Um, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the Moses name is not even ever mentioned in the book of Galatians. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the main name mentioned is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Only secondary one mentioned is Abraham. Yeah. Moses is never mentioned and And for a good reason. And I think Jerry, it ties back to that very point by Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead doesn't have a thing to do with Moses. Doesn't have a thing to do with Moses. All right. Not a thing. There's a lute to Moses in the third chapter. He says uh, ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. That's right. He alludes to Moses, but he does so without using his name. Yeah. Yeah. There's a human, there's a human mechanism of argument that you can see these people were using. Paul gave you liberties that he shouldn't have given you. That's right. That's what they Christianity were saying. is right and Jesus is right, but Paul contradicted and and looked lowly on Moses. You need to get Moses back in the picture. You need to go back to Moses. And it's interesting. Paul (laughs) accepts that charge, but he says, oh, if you go back to Moses, you're not going far enough back. You just want to go back all the way, go to Abraham. Abraham was his trump card. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. That is, that's really good. (laughs) You go far enough back. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you're right though joe they they thought we you know we appeal to moses paul says i'm appealing to abraham yeah <laughs> exactly. yeah the very origin of it all so have you guys noticed that the introduction to galatians is unique to all of his other yes epistolic epistolic yes. whatever you call it introductions galatians is unique yes. it has some shared components but you get more Direction and direct statements in that More introduction. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. even in Romans or mm-hmm. right. right, right. That's right. I mean, Joe, you mentioned the opening to Corinthians. Yes. Uh, Galatians is unique, and mm-hmm. Jerry, for the reasons that you brought out too. I mean, he he goes to to pains to make sure they know yeah. that right off the bat. I'm not an apostle because someone wanted me, someone on earth wanted me to be an apostle. I didn't go through an apostle school right. in Jerusalem to become an apostle. We will find out later in the first chapter, he says, I wasn't even looking to be an apostle. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was looking to kill the apostles. Right. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever thought that 
the apostles, the twelve, had three, three and a half years with Christ in his ministry. But but Paul had that three years himself. Mm-hmm. He they did. had it before yeah. the resurrection. He had it after the resurrection. Right. He had yes. three years with Christ. Three years with Christ. And Joe, you quoted it. It's solid. He saw Christ. Yes, right. he did. Right. Yes, he did. So, but when he says "not of man," I wonder if he was alluding to maybe Barnabas. I mean, Matthias. In that attempt that they made, mm. I don't, I don't say Matthias was not an apostle. I think mm. what the, the brethren did back then was perfectly valid, whether you agree mm-hmm. or not. That's what I think. But what you can't say about Matthias is what you can say about the apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. He was selected. He was dealt with personally in a way that none of the other apostles were dealt with. Mm. And mm-hmm. he's pretty honest about it too, right? He's saying, yeah. you know, yeah. look. I didn't. I didn't. wasn't looking for it. I wasn't seeking yeah. this. I, I was against it. One other thing uh, that in, in the in the uh, in the writing that we'll find, and a lot of these things, believe it or not, are touched upon in this introduction. The uh, points that will be fleshed out further in in Galatians. The first two chapters of Galatians. Ca- contains more personal reflection by Paul than in mm. any of his other epistles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to think that was wrong, but no, Paul talks more about himself <laughs> in these first two chapters than he does in any. And he doesn't do it because he wants to. There's a reason why, because apparently his opponents were, as Joe alluded to, challenging his credentials. Yeah. Saying that he really wasn't the real deal, and he, or he was preaching something that he shouldn't be preaching. Mm-hmm. I will also go so far as to say that the false teachers may not have been bad guys in the sense mm-hmm. of just Simon Legree types that were going up there twiddling their mustache and saying, "How can we get Paul tied to the railroad tracks?" If you watch Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know what I'm talking about. I, I got it. <laughs> uh, they may have just been seriously wrong, misguided people. Or they could they have been devoted legalists. They they were, and they believed they were fanatical about what they believed. Rigid. Yeah. That's a good point. They weren't mm-hmm. preaching what they thought was a lie. They thought no. Paul. And right. I'm not saying they disagreed with Paul so much as they said Paul didn't go far enough. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We we better be careful not to try to see in everything Paul wrote about in Galatians as a reflection of what his opponents were saying about him. Right. There are some of those things, obviously, but there may be some cases when Paul says, okay, what about this one? The Abraham thing. I don't think his, uh, mm-hmm. his opponents ever thought about Abraham. Yeah. But mm-hmm. boy, he, makes some, he makes some arguments, especially in that last half of the fourth chapter, about... Uh, uh, Sarah, which he doesn't name, and Hagar, which he does name, in a way that if I had made that argument, if Joe, even if Joe Holder had made that argument, we'd say, who are you? Oh, what? what? <laughs> but because he's Paul, the apostle, he made, he took liberties. That's what we would say. I'm not you saying know, that I, he did, what he did was wrong. I think that's the right word, too, Mike. He took liberties. Um, Christian yeah, liberty. And, and, and right he spoke of liberty. I mean, I know we're not allowed to jump to the fifth chapter, and I'm not going to, just like <laughs> Brother Mark's not going to read the latter part of the second chapter. I won't read the first part of the fifth. Nevertheless, you use the word, so therefore, oh, liberty. Um, you know, it's interesting. Liberty. Mm-hmm. I, I love to feel at liberty. 
I really do. I like to feel at liberty. But when it comes to you, I would prefer you to be confined by law. (laughs) That's that's kind of that's true, though. No, I think that's 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 kind of my carnal nature. Right. My carnal nature. uh, Yeah. Laws. Laws are made for you. They're they're not so much made for me. Great. Right. We'll get there. We'll get there, folks. Stay with us. Chapter five. We have six chapters. (laughs) You know, uh, I think the first two chapters is already lays out the personal (laughs) uh, statements by Paul for a purpose. For a great purpose. Show that he isn't what these guys are saying he is. And here's why. And then he he gives the uh, the trip to Jerusalem with Titus. And he does that for a reason, Mm. as we will see. I think he makes his uh, thesis statement in Galatians two sixteen, and follows it through to the end of the second chapter. The the what most people call the meat of Galatians is the third chapter. Uh, I won't disagree with that, but I'm just going to say whatever he's going to say in the third chapter, he and in, he introduced it in Galatians two sixteen, yeah. seventeen twenty through twenty one, yeah. uh, and and then. The fourth, the fifth chapter is maybe my favorite chapter because it deals with that liberty, Jerry, and with the fruit of the spirit in in opposition to the works of the flesh. And then in the sixth chapter, I think that's where he's going to show practically here's where here's how you see the fruit of the spirit at work in a church because he's not talking about individual an individual bearing the fruit of the spirit. He's talking about the church, right? Absolutely. Uh, And then if you really, with any good book, if you want to know what the book is about, you go to the end and you read the last chapter, right? Well, starting with that part in the sixth chapter where Paul says, you see with what large letters, Mm. that's when Paul takes the pen in hand, (laughs) having been beaten so many times, I'm sure it was hard for him to hold that stylus. And he says, I want them to know I'm writing this part of it. And you see Paul write in just a very few verses the whole of Galatians right there. Mm. Mm. And he ends it with the peace beyond the Israel of God. Yeah. Amen. Um, we, we're going to get into that, God being our helper. And we're not, we're not even to the end of the hour. So uh, what I, I, can, can we go to the 15th chapter, Mark? I mean, would that yes. be all right? Yes, I think you should. We, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I we, we should. have we have seen a verse there that we didn't think was there, but now it's there. It's like <laughs> it's like Jerry, you were saying. You know, I didn't even know that was there. I know, yeah. But, but we go to the fifteen chapter the first of first acts. A first act. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to do all the talking, although it'd probably feel like it to you guys before I get through. Joe has le- level set us on that Jerusalem Council, and I'm going to say this. I think that's what he's talk. Paul's talking about in the second chapter of Galatians. There is some disagreement among the so-called experts about that. Uh, uh, here's all I'm going to say about that. It sure, it sure sounds like he's talking about the Jerusalem Council. Doesn't it? Yeah, chapter. it does. And I'm just taking it from that standpoint. Yep. There are differences in the uh, account given in the 15th chapter, specifically about the letter that was sent back to the, the Gentiles in Antioch. Right. Uh, Paul doesn't talk about a lot of those things. He just talks about giving to the poor, uh, the poor saints of Jerusalem. But in the letter, there's a lot of things like not eating things strangled or mm. in blood or, you know. But here's a statement by Peter. Paul, Joe, you started it off. You started this. 
You went to Peter in the 10th chapter. Yes. Peter, who is called to be the apostles of the circumcision. That's what Paul said. His duty was to lead the effort to preach to the Jewish people. But God sent him first. He was the first one to go to preach to the Gentiles. Correct. And Cornelius was an uncircumcised Gentile. We're going to use that word uncircumcised. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. It's, that's the language of the Bible. That's just a way mm-hmm. of saying Gentiles. As it had religious Gentiles. connotation. That's it's just, yeah, it has very, yeah. It's very important from a religious standpoint. And uh, I think once all that Cornelius story was over with, I think there was this feeling like, let's just hope it doesn't happen again. I mean, back in the Church of Jerusalem, I really feel like they said, let's just hope it doesn't happen anymore. Because what church were they baptized into? What church was baptized in his family? Peter left him right where he found them, right? Mm -hmm. They were baptized. Of course, we could say the same thing about the Ethiopian eunuch, but... I get the feeling the the the, the members at a Jerusalem church weren't thinking that they were members of the Jerusalem church. Mm. So I think they're thinking maybe this is a one-off. They shouldn't have thought that. No, nope. Jesus had made it clear that there are other sheep that are not right. of this fold. Them must I also bring. That's right. The the Lord and so many of the prophets talked about and and Paul tells us about these in the 9th, 10th, and 11th chapters of Romans about Haggai and, and Hosea, how that God is, you know, the Gentiles which look not look for me, did not look for me, found me, and those that were looking for me did not found me. You know, in other words, it was all throughout the Old Testament <clears throat> prophetic works. It should have been understood. It should have been embraced. It should have been rejoiced in, but it wasn't. So when they meet... There's a group in the church of Jerusalem. There's a sect within the church of Jerusalem called the sect of the Pharisees. These were Pharisees that converted to Christianity, but they stayed Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not make the Pharisees the bad guys, but they're, they're by, due to training and by uh, their nature, they were keen on making sure every Jewish person obeyed the law just so because by so doing they could keep god from getting angry at them and having them go into captivity again like their forefathers had been many times through disobedience so the the pharisees were the traffic cops they were the lord high sheriffs of god's people that's how they saw themselves now they're in the church and i don't want to say this but i'll let mark say it we still sometimes have lord high sheriffs in the church Yeah. Did did Brother Mark say that? He's going to. He's going to. Okay. So when, when after they have, you know, Joe said they had their palaver. That's a really good word. I don't hardly have any opportunity to ever use it. Then Peter stands up, and this is important. And oh, by the way, you go read the last couple of verses of Second Peter, the third chapter, and what do you find him saying? Who do you, who's he talking <laughs> nice things about? Yep. Mm-hmm. All, yep. all his beloved. Brother Paul, and he admires the wisdom that God has given him. He, he acknowledges Paul's got something that yes. few people do have. So there you go from that. So let's read what Peter said. I, I think this sets the stage for us going forward, brethren. 15 chapter of Acts. And it says this in the seventh verse. And when, and when there had been much disputing... You're right, Joe. I wonder how much disputing. It must have been some. 
Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good time ago. So it didn't happen yesterday. A while ago. While back. A good while ago, God made choice among us. And I want to say, amen, Joe. That is the conversion the Lord said when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I think right here, he's strengthening his brethren. Strengthening the brethren. Not maybe the only place, but for here for sure. He says, uh, uh, how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Is he talking about regeneration here? No. Mm-mm. He's talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already right. born right. again. That's right. Or people who were going to be believers, but they were already born again before they actually believed the gospel. And the Spirit came upon the apostles who were already born again. So he's not talking about regeneration. He's talking about this wonderful thing that I think still happens to some extent in the church today. We may not have the fruit, the, the gifts of the Spirit like you read about, but we still have the preaching of the gospel like they had back then. That's right. That's still miraculous. He says, uh, God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, mm. purifying their hearts by faith. It's all about ecclesiastical salvation. Yes. Amen. It's all about believing the gospel of people who are already children of God. Right. But now these people, Gentiles, which did not have access to the kingdom, they do now because of what Christ did. He died to deliver them and us from this present evil world. Right. And then he says this. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Mm. That says so much, brethren. Mm. That says so much. And we'll get into that more in Galatians. But Peter's just being honest. He's saying we couldn't do it. Our forefathers couldn't do it. Why should we expect the Gentiles to do it when we've been trying to do it for generation after generation after generation? Right, right. Then he says this, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even yeah. as, they. as they. Not they as we, but we. Yeah. Even, yes. As they. That's Great a good point. point. Joe, yeah. you've got to have something to say about all yes. that. I don't know what it could be, but it's got to be something. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you. As a matter of fact. <laughs> um. This whole, the, we're, we're, we're trying to flesh out the subtlety, and it's as subtle as an elephant in the room. <laughs> so let's just flesh it out. Yeah, right. Let's, let's, let's look at it. Paul takes the Galatians not back to Moses, but back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. In the early chapters of Genesis 12, the first time. God repeated his or stated his promise to Abraham. Verse three. In thee, mm-hmm. in thy seed. Mm-hmm. Paul makes a big point of that in oh, the third boy. chapter. It's Christ. Right. 
Shall all, all enmity, all, just one, no. all the families right. of the earth be blessed. Right. Abraham, you mean people that are not related to you by mm-hmm. ancestry and blood? Yes. Yes. That's right. All the families. That's right. God's promise to Abraham specifically from the beginning included Gentiles. Amen. Right. right. Let's go That's forward. Jesus. He tells stories. The gospel writers call them parables, but they're stories that Jesus created to teach a lesson. When Jesus taught a lesson about a Samaritan. <laughs> oh, they hated the Samaritans. Oh, did yeah. they hate them? Worse than and two very religious right. Jewish leaders. That's right. An elder Who was the guy in the white hat at the end of the story? <laughs> the, the hated it despised. was the Samaritan. Yes, Jesus didn't teach or set the example. When a Gentile woman said, "Oh, I agree, but the dogs eat the crumbs. I'm not mm. after a steak and lobster meal. I'll mm. take." the crumbs. Mm. What did Jesus say? I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Right. He commended her. That's right. There's the pattern from beginning. The centurion. The centurion. And in Ephesians chapter two, to a Gentile church, Paul says, when Jesus came, he preached peace to you, Gentiles who were far off and us Jews who were nigh. Right. Yes. So Jesus, Abraham, from the beginning, God's promise was not exclusive to one race or one culture or one language or one dialect, but to his people across all nations, kindreds, and people. That's right. And that's where the big issue, when today, dear, sincere people who Mm -hmm. believe what they teach say, I love Jesus, and I want you to love Jesus. But in order for you to have that relationship with Jesus, you must, and they start naming off the litmus tests mm. of things you must do in their pattern and image to be like them. That's the Galatian problem. That's right. That's, That's it exactly. the Galatian problem. I love a story that was told that will show the other side. A very large church city church in a very wealthy district of the city. The membership are primarily very wealthy, well-to-do, upstanding, very in the higher circles of the social circle of the city. They meet on a Sunday morning, basically the auditorium is full. And just as the service begins, a very poorly dressed homeless man walks in. He walks down the aisle looking. There's no seat and there's no one who slides down to tighten the seating so he would have a place to sit. He gets down to the front. No one gave him a place to sit. He sits on the floor. Within seconds, the leading deacon influential member in the church, quietly gets up, walks down to the front, 
and sits down beside mm. him for church. That's what we want to get people to think in their faith, wow. not the Gentile Jew division wow. that we see in Galatians. Hey, That's what we're man. aiming for. That's why we want to teach this Galatian lesson today for believers today. Hey, That's man. great. Brother you to get up Joe. and sit with that person, not judge him. Brother Joe. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's so rich. It's amazing what we have rich. and we take it for granted. Man. So okay. we're getting now, to the end of our we're getting to the end of our time and I think I want each of you to have yeah. a moment of reflection and yeah and your thoughts as we continue as we come to the end of this first effort to study Galatians. Mm. Brother Jerry. Yes. Go forth. <laughs> <laughs> the word picture that Brother Holder just set before us is um, it's what I want my spiritual life to be about because there there's true liberty in that. There's true liberty in it. Um, not not like we might want to define it um, uh, to our convenience. Um, we, we strive, I, I trust with a pure heart, we strive to, to conform our lives to be more like Christ. That's what we're commanded to do. Ultimately, we will be conformed to the image of Christ, but I'd like to look more like him, um, every day if I, if I might, um, he certainly would have gone down and sat next to that man. He certainly would have. This lesson and in, in, in this letter, um, I've, I've read in Galatians a lot. I've tried to study it some, and uh, and I, I need to study a lot more. But I'll tell you, the, the message that I'm gleaning from this now, it's so pertinent today in our lives. And there's a lot of God's people that are not at liberty. They think they might be. They're they're getting they're getting some gain, um, trying to make people like themselves. Perhaps we all that's our nature. We like to surround ourselves with people like ourselves. Um, I want to be like Christ. Amen. And and brother Joe, that word picture, man. I hope I don't ever forget that. It's convicting. It's very convicting. Mm. Brother Mark. Amen. <laughs> I need to be rescued. Amen. I need to be delivered from this present evil evil world. Oh, brother. From those without, from those within. But Brother Jerry's right. If I'm going to experience liberty and feel that rescue, <clears throat> I've got to be rescued from myself. Amen. We all do. Yes, we do. It's so easy to, it's so easy to take Paul's stand that he does in this, these first five verses. And then ob obviously through the rest of the book, it's so easy to take his stand and say, yeah, look at them. How, you know, I can't believe that I marvel too, Paul. Mm. 
You know, I mean, I wish I'd have been there. I could have, I could have sure had a few things to say. <laughs> no, I'd have been one of the, I'd have been one of the ones sitting there reading the letter yeah. that Paul wrote to me. We all would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I need to be rescued to the extent that when, when that fella comes and sits down that I go and sit down next to him <clears throat> and that deacon that sat down, Yeah, I need to be rescued from me. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if we look to him, not to Moses and Moses law, but if we look to him and realize that he is our only salvation in this life. As Peter himself said, there is no other name given among men whereby yeah. we must be saved. It's yeah. him. And yeah. when we realize that and we're rescued in that, then we experience that liberty. But I don't need to be rescued from y'all. I need to be rescued from me. <laughs> Amen. Amen, Brother Jerry, Brother Mike, Brother Joe. Brother Joe. I said nine. Mm. Well, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you did. Great. I, I'm like Jerry. I hope I never forget that word picture. You know, would I be wrong to think we ought to want to be the person who slid down the bench to let the guy sit next to us? Yeah. Uh, but if he did go down and sit down on the floor, then we should be. If mm. that happens in our church, we should be so sad mm. That, mm. that it happened, that we we're so concerned about a parent's sake <clears throat> and not about a person <clears throat> that Jesus loves. <clears throat> Galatians is about freedom and the reclamation of freedom. Yes. <clears throat> There's more than one kind of enslavement or bondage. And, yes, there is. And Galatians, Paul and Galatians gets to that. There's the bondage under the law that Peter alluded to in the 15th chapter of Acts. And then there's other kinds like the, the Galatian Gentiles were never really were under the law. They were under paganism, mm -hmm. which was bondage. Right. Now there's, there's freedom and then there's giving up your freedom. Right. Christ died for us to be free. But do not give up your freedom, and you can. And that's what the Galatians were in the process of doing. Right. Jerry loves freedom. Mm. I love freedom. Yeah. Mark, Joe, we love freedom. We love the liberty that we have in Christ. But let us not ever forget that it's on his terms, not ours. Amen. And may we put ego aside yes galatians is a very personal letter paul showed some some peaks of anger righteous indignation but he loved these people they mm -hmm. were like his children mm -hmm. they were children i always think about dad my dad when david and i did something that really disappointed him and that was more often than not <laughs> the worst thing wasn't, wasn't so much the whipping that was bad it was to hear the lecture because mm -hmm. we had disappointed him yeah. and it was it mattered to us that we did not disappoint him we wanted him to be happy with us 
Galatians is about people who are about who some of them have made the wrong choice. Some of them were thinking about making the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And the letter was to help them think through the problem. Mm-hmm. We have to see it in the first century context before we can see it in the 21st century context. Yep. That's right. That's right. We can't make a good application unless we see how it was properly <laughs> applied back then. Mm-hmm. And that takes some imagination. It's not as so easy to put ourselves in the mindset of a first century Galatian, but and we won't be able to really in all. But we can try to see how that problem, which doesn't seem like a problem to us today, Jew and child, Jew and Gentile, what what was that a problem? Is that's not a, is that's not a problem today, right? No, not by that name. Form of the problem still exists. <laughs> yes, right. That's yes. what we're getting at. And that's why God inspired that letter and has preserved that letter for us to this day. Yes, sir. So um, we hope that we have piqued your interest, uh, stirred up your pure mind by way of remembrance. God willing, God being our helper, and he'll have to be. Mm. We're going to spend the next several weeks. It may be many weeks, (laughs) but it'll be great if uh, Joe can deliver Every session with something like he did tonight, man, we're, it'll be the best study ever, won't it, brother? We need help from more than Joe. We need help. We really do. We need the Lord's help. So uh, God bless you all. Uh, mm. Stick with us, please. Please. Stick with us. And pray for us. Yeah, please. please. Go through this immense and rather ambitious undertaking. Mm. Yes. What what uh, what a wonderful <clears throat> benefit it could, could reap for us, mm. for all of us. Okay, anything we need to say before we close out, brethren? Well, our, we will, uh, Lord willing, see you the following Tuesday with the with as we get into the letter proper and begin to peel back. The layers of the onion, God being mm-hmm. the helper. Yeah. So until then, we bid you Godspeed, mm. God bless you, and we love you all. Say good night, brethren. Good night. Good night.